Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're going to continue our series, uh, Summer in the Psalms, and um, saw somebody post online that they couldn't wait to hear the message of Summer in the Palms. It sounds really nice, actually, and so we might try that. We're going to do like everybody fly to the Caribbean or something. We'll do a summer in the Palms. Sounds good to me. Or Vegas. You could do that, too. Um, summer in the Psalms is part four. We're going to go to Psalm 37. I'm going to read a portion of it to you today. Psalm 37, uh, verse 21. It says, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Well, I like that. The righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. I just want to pause for a second. This is powerful. It says, you might stumble, but you won't fall. This is the Lord upholds him. That's powerful. That, that means I might go through some fire, but I'm not going to get burned. I might, I might walk through a storm, but the storm's not going to kill me. I may have went through some difficult times, but it won't take me out. That's the promise. That's what the psalmist is saying. He, he's saying, it's all right. I may have been through some stuff, but the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young. This is David. I was young, and now I'm old. Anybody relate? Don't, don't say it. Yet I have never, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous, always. Everybody say always. Always. Always generous, and they lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. Wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and will dwell in it forever. David, the psalmist, is writing, and, and I hope you've enjoyed this series of just looking at the psalms. It's been incredible, but David is actually very prophetic. And uh, in the psalms, this is in an old covenant time, but he writes and even prophesies through his psalms about new covenant promises. And as he speaks in the psalms, he is now saying that he sees a correlation between the righteous and what they do, their behavior. And he says, the righteous give generously. They give generously. Now to understand this, we got to know what the righteous are, who the righteous are. And the Bible tells us, and if you look it up, righteous, righteousness actually means right standing. It means that you're in right standing. Righteousness, godly righteousness would mean I'm in right standing with God. So that, that, that sounds nice, that me and God are good. We're cool. We're on, we're on good terms. I'm in right standing. But the problem is when sin entered the world, we were not on good terms anymore. Because the sin in us can, was in conflict with the holiness in him. And we could not approach each other because God was holy. We were sinful. But you might have heard this scripture before. But God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He was generous. What did he give? He gave his son Jesus. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the, what does it say? Righteousness of God. 
that we might become the righteousness of God, which means whoever is in Christ, whoever is a believer, now Jesus has become our righteousness. So I can't be righteous on my own. I can't be righteous in and of myself, but because of the blood of Jesus, he has now made me righteous. Did you know that when God looks at you, he does not see what disqualifies you. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see where you messed up. He doesn't see where you, where you have not been right with him. When he looks at you, he sees his son. He looks at you through the lens of the blood of Jesus. So whenever he looks at you, it's like he's looking at Jesus. So when he looks at you, he says, I'm proud of you. When he looks at you, he says, man, you're my delight. When he looks at you, he says, you're incredible. When he looks at you, he says, you've got a great future. When he looks, because he doesn't see what disqualifies you because Jesus died to cover that. So if we can become righteous, then now this begs the question, is the righteous give generously? They give generously. So if I can be righteous, that means I can also be Generous. I'm going to break it down for you. Now, whenever you talk about generosity in church, it's really fun because y'all get like really tight. You're going to be sore tomorrow if you don't relax those muscles, okay? Like, it's okay. We're not not even going to take an offering, all right? Like, so it's, it's all good. But I want to talk about something that's going to set you free. Because the Bible and the promises in the Word of God are for you. Some people say that the promises in the Bible have been constructed by man. The Bible was written by men under the influence and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So what we find in the Word of God has been given by God to us to benefit us, to equip us, to empower us for this life that we're in. Now, I'm just going to tell you, when Jamie and I got married, we did not have... We didn't have any money. I mean, like, like, like no money. And uh, I would say poor, but like, if we live in America, we're really not poor. All right. So, but in, in, in a lot of worldly standards, we, we were poor. And, uh, and, and we're trying to make things happen and make things work. And, and uh, our diet was uh, Taco Bell, bean burritos, 89 cents. Now, you couldn't get full, but we'd each eat one, $1.82. And we'd have dinner. I mean, that's, that's a date night. I mean, it's like, I wish we could go back to those days. But I, actually, I can't because honestly, just the thought of a bean burrito makes me sick. I, don't, if, I, I would hate to see how many bean burritos I've eaten in my life. Like, we wouldn't even mix it up. I don't even know why we did it. But we wouldn't even mix it up. It's just like two bean burritos, please. I would get mine without onions. She would get hers with. $1.82. We're like, yes. We're making money out here. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. You, you remember when you were young and you didn't have that many bills? I remember like making my first budget because my dad was like teaching us how to be good stewards and make a budget. And I'm like, oh boy, this is stressful. <sighs> Bills. Okay, phone. <sighs> yep, $40, all right, good. Gas. Okay, got that. It was like 99 cents a gallon back then. It, and gas, food, food, food. That's it. That was my budget. Remember those days? That was incredible. Phone, food, and gas. That's it. Now it's like HOA and insurance and life insurance and retirement. It's like, oh, can I just go back to just simple days of just like whatever you make, you spend? You remember those days? It's like you pay the three bills and then you're like, all right, $98. What's daddy buying today? I mean, I love that. That was awesome. Man, those were simple days. 
But then life gets complex and you grow up and the pressure hits and the bills mount up and materialism begins to rear its ugly head and now you feel like you're behind because someone else bought that and you don't have that. And so now you have to kind of like volley for position and you can't actually afford it. So you just, you just, you, you act like you can afford it and, and your house is falling apart, but your car looks nice. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? If someone follows you home, you know, you go through the nice neighborhood, like, see guys. And then you go drive to your neighborhood. But at least that car looks good. I'll tell you what, it's like, you can't eat, but like the car's nice. But, but that, that's, that's our culture. Our culture teaches us this, and I want to just show you some very simple principles from Psalm 37 that I believe will set you free. Because the litmus test for success in the kingdom of God is not what we think it is. The litmus test for success is one word. It's obedience. That's it. All God is looking for from you to be successful is obedience is if you're obedient. If you're obedient, you've made it. And some of you are like, man, I gotta get this here, I gotta get this here, the business has to be making this, we have to be here, I gotta get in this house. That's not success. I'm glad you're able to do that, but that's not success. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Did you know obedience unlocks the presence of God? This is all throughout your scriptures. When Jesus walked the face of the earth, and, and he, was, he was here, and, and think about all the miracles Jesus did. When Jesus did a miracle, he would do crazy stuff like to the blind guy. Remember this? I hate this story. Because the guy's blind. And Jesus says, tell him to come to me. Come on. That's not right. He's blind. Marco. I mean, like, that's what Jesus did. That's not, that's just, that's, that's not right. But Jesus knew a principle that we don't understand. That obedience unlocks his presence. So when he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and the guy went and obeyed, it unlocked his presence. It unlocked his power. So when you begin to walk in obedience, it will unlock God's power in your life. When God gives you a word of encouragement and you give it to someone, that obedience unlocks his presence. When God tells you to worship radically and you worship radically, that unlocks his presence. It unlocks his power. When God asks you to do something, go somewhere, give something, and you do it, it unlocks the power of God. This is, this, this, this is interesting. Um, for many of us, when we talk about generosity, we all want to be generous. Generous is actually like a pretty hot topic right now in our culture. Like we want to be generous. We want to give to something. We want to find a nonprofit that we can give to. Can I tell you that generosity is, there, there's a step before generosity that a lot of us miss. And it's the step that we're talking about right now. It's obedience. Now, just pre be prepared because it's going to be like, it's going to sound quieter than this church has ever, ever, has ever been. And you're like, you're already like, you got the earplugs in, your ears are ringing like, geez, they call this church. It's all right. It's about to get quiet and enjoy it for a second. Because the first step of obedience is actually when the believer is obedient to God in the tithe. That's, that's a bad word in the church. You hear all my staff, they're like, yeah, that's right, this is good. We gotta break the silence, it's good, I appreciate that. The tithe, the tithe means tenth, or it means test. It can be translated both ways, tenth or test. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord, which means this. What God gives us, and it is everything that we have, God gives us. When God gives it to us, he asks that we would return to him 10% of that. 
off of any increase that we get that we would return to him. Now, this is not a church idea. This is not a pastor idea. This is a Bible idea. God spoke to Abraham and said, this is what I want you to do. And when you do this, it will break the curse of materialism and of the enemy off of your life. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. All right, so this is not my theology. This, this is like Bible, all right? Some people say, well, I like it that it says it in Leviticus because that's old covenant. Now, this is something interesting. Abraham did this. So that's before the law. See, but tithing predates the law. It was actually insane. You ever heard this scripture? This is a funny one that we don't like to use um, when it condemns us. But you ever heard about this? I am the Lord, your God, and I do not. Yeah, that one's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's like, man, I think that's just like for back then. That's for, but, but that, that's not, some of you don't believe me. Yes, let me just show you another scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, it says this in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, first fruits, first of all your crops, anything where you have increased, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's God's blessing in your life. That's God's blessing. People don't like to talk about the tithe, but this is the tithe. The tithe is a test of trust. The the first check that I write, the first money that I give every time I get paid is who I thank for the increase. So in our family, when we get paid on the 1st and the 15th, when we get our check, the first thing that we do is that we give 10% off the gross of that money to God. And we say, thank you, Lord, for what you've blessed us with. It is a pleasure to return to you what is yours. Every time, all our staff on this church, we tithe the first fruits of whatever God gives us. Now, I want, to just, I want you to see how crazy this is, because this is how much we believe in this. All our staff get paid by the church. So that seems odd, doesn't it? Like, okay, I'm going to pay you, and then you pay me, and then, like, wouldn't it be easy for, like, just call it even? I'll pay you 10% less. No, because it has to come into our hands, our possession, our ownership. And then we have to make the decision, God, we're going to return to you what you've given us. That, friends, is obedience, and that is beginning. It is beginner-level generosity. People are like, well, you know, I like to, you know, God's blessed me, and I'm, I'm so generous. My question would be, are you obedient? That's my first question, is are you obedient? Because obedience unlocks the presence of God. So you have to be obedient. Generosity is what follows obedience. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, oh, wait, more than 10%? Yeah, more than 10%. I give God back what's his. Generosity is given what's mine. It's like, oh, man, Lord, I return to you what is yours. But now everything that I give, I'm investing into your kingdom. I'm investing into people, and it is yours. Now, I know some of you still. Okay, so let me go a little step further. Jesus talks about money all the time. All the time. People are like, oh, Jesus was poor, and Jesus never talked about money. 16 out of his 38 parables, his messages, were about money, treasure, and possessions. Almost 50%. 50% of Jesus' three and a half years of ministry on earth. I, I mean, for many of us, we'd be like, Jesus, you only got like three and a half years. Let's like really consolidate. Like talk about the things that are really important. And he would probably say, I am. Do you know that God's actually, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. The problem for many of us, the two are connected. So that's why it gets quiet when you talk about money, because it's like, oh. And, and for many of us, this is, this is why it's difficult, is we've seen people mismanage money. 
churches, leaders, organizations, and said, so, man, I want to, and we had a guy years ago, he's like, man, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to just give, I'm going to give to specific things, and so he didn't like the, he didn't like a part of the parking lot, so he's like, I'm going to tithe, and I'm, I want you to repair that parking lot, and then he's like, man, I don't like that soundboard, I'm going to tithe, and you can get a new soundboard, I'm like, bro, that's not how it works, God's our provider, so this is how it works, when I tithe, I release control. So can I tell you something like really shocking just for a second, okay? It's going to just get your steel-toed boots on right now because I'm, I'm going to stomp on it right now. When you obey, your obedience is only about you. And you're blessed on your obedience. So I'm going to tell you this. If I gave Pastor Keon money and I was obedient in giving it to him, whatever he does with it is not my concern. You know why? Because I was obedient. He has to stand before God with his obedience in what he does with it. So the tithe is a place of trust that says, God, I trust you. God, I'm gonna, now Matthew chapter 23, this is Jesus talking, and this is where he proves it's beginner level, okay? So just get ready. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. It says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Can you imagine, can you imagine being in this scene? Jesus like, hey, what's up everybody, how you doing? Um, you bunch of hypocrites. Like, Whoa, I thought you were like a kind, passive, justice-seeking, sheep-carrying, brown-haired, blue-eyed, you know. What do you teach the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You give a tenth. What's a tenth? Tithe. You give a tithe of your spices. This is their resources, what they made money on. But you have neglected the more important matters. So there's more important matters than the tithe. It's more important matters. Tithe is like elementary stage. He says, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. What's the latter? The tithe. You should have practiced the tithe without neglecting the others, because the Pharisees and religious leaders of that day felt like if they tithe, they were doing enough. Well, I'm being faithful. I'm giving a tenth. And Jesus is like, that's beginner style. It's elementary, bro. Like, you, you're giving a tithe. That's great, but you're not being kind? You've neglected justice? You've neglected mercy? Like, you still have to be a good person. You still have to be a good Christian. You know what, some people, even in our church, they tithe, but they're living like hell. I'm gonna tell you, Jesus wants more for you. I am so proud of you for being obedient in the tithe, but Jesus says, don't let it stop there. Let there be a complete transformation of who you are. He's, uh, this, this is what tithing does. Tithing breaks the curse of the world. Every time I tithe, I just visualize this, it breaks the curse of the world, materialism, my selfishness in my heart, it breaks it. It breaks my dependence on money. Because, I, I, this might only be me, but I forget that everything I have comes from God. I forget that sometimes. Sometimes I think it's hard work. Sometimes I think it's good stewardship. Sometimes I think it's diligence, and I forget that everything I have comes from God. So it breaks my dependence on money. It breaks the selfishness in me. Oh man, there's nothing like obedience to break the selfishness in your own heart. This is, I've talked to a bunch of people that tithe and a lot of people that don't tithe. And, and so if you tithe in here, why don't you just lift your, no, just don't, don't do it, don't do it. That's a joke. Um, that'd be funny though. Some of your hearts are like, I'll start tomorrow, I promise God. But, no, you don't, you don't have to respond, but th th there's a consistent thing that tithers say 
from non-tithers. Tithers, if, if we pulled all the tithers in this room, probably 99.9% .9 of them would tell you, I'm blessed. I'm just blessed. I'm, God's blessed me. I'm blessed. Now, if we pulled everybody in this room, which is probably very few, that did not tithe, then we, we would get this response. I can't afford to tithe. Did you know that you won't ever be able to afford it until you do it? Because the blessing of God comes after your obedience. What if the blind man said, hey, Jesus, awesome thought, like me come to you when I'm blind. You heal me, I'll come. No, it doesn't require faith. It does not require faith. This is how Jesus deals with us. I know, it's a little rough. That's how he deals with us. I want you to obey and then. And people that tithe, they'll tell you, he's blessed me. I'm blessed. And people that don't tithe, they're like, oh, well, you know, you make more money than I do. Stop. Stop. I Honestly, how long are you going to keep on making excuses? I'm not trying to make you feel bad about not giving to the church. I'm trying to make you feel bad about not being obedient to God. Can I just be honest? I, I, want you to feel the, I want you to feel the pressure because I want you to feel the freedom. There is a freedom that comes on the other side of your obedience. The presence of God released in your life, not just financially, but God's blessing emotionally, physically, relationally, financially, in every area, the blessing of God released in your life. Now, this, 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 I, I love this. Now, now we're going to really get to where I want to be as we wind down. The tithes, obedience. The next step is generosity. Now, in the early church, in the book of Acts, we hear about crazy generosity. I mean like wild generosity. People are crazy generous. Acts chapter four, I'll read it to you. Acts chapter four, verse 32. It says this, all the believers were one in heart and in mind. Can you imagine that, first of all? Think of all the denominations, all the different churches we have, all the different persuasions of everything. In the early church, it says they were all together in one heart and mind. That's not just one church. It was like all the believers. Together, unity, in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. So they recognized that what they had was not their own. It, it was given to them. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Some, we get stuck at the generosity part, but look at that. God's grace powerfully at work in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or owned houses sold them, sold their land, sold their houses, and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who, ha who was in need. Can you imagine that? People are like, oh yeah, I got a spare house, I'll probably just sell that, and, and uh, yeah, I'm just giving that to the church, just, just give it to anybody who's in need. Some of you are like, well, just stop, stop. It's like, if all the excuses are coming in your mind, honestly, it's, it's a sign. If your heart's like beating, you're enraged right now, it's a sign that your obedience and your money are linked together and God's trying to pull them apart. Say, I wanna make sure you serve me and not that. Because that's where freedom comes from, is when I can trust him. I can truly trust him. Now, now here's the cool thing. The early church erupted in radical generosity and powerful evangelism. 
See, this is not disconnected. Radical generosity leads to powerful evangelism, where the grace of God runs rampant in our gatherings, where the grace of God runs rampant in our communities, and the people begin that in people in the city and the community begin to find Jesus. The Bible says in the early church that people were added to their number daily, which means not just when they had church which means the disciples, the early church, were out there on the streets sharing their testimony, sharing their witness, inviting people in, drawing people in to relationship with Jesus, and radical evangelism broke out. I'm telling you, God is bringing a revival of radical generosity and powerful evangelism. He's bringing it both. They're connected. You know one of the greatest things that would happen in our community is if you didn't get bit by the materialistic bug that everybody else is bit by and you measured your own success in obedience to God and you begin to be generous on every occasion. Let me ask you a question. If you were generous on every occasion, how much money would you need? Think about that. He says, and they lend freely. Oh man, like if you ask me to borrow money, I, I gotta make sure my bills are paid and then I have enough left over to lend to you, right? I mean, I think, I mean, unless you're like taking out loans to give to somebody, but then that, no, you, it's, it's, a, it's the increase. It's the extra. Now some of you are like, well, you know, God doesn't want to make me wealthy. Can I just ask you, how are you generous if you don't have anything besides your bills to pay? Your perspective's wrong. It's not that God doesn't want to make you wealthy, it's that God doesn't want you to be consumed with your wealth. God wants to use you as a river instead of a reservoir. Some of you are accumulating, accumulating, accumulating. God wants it to flow through you and not just money. Everything God's given to you is for a reason, it's for a purpose, but it's not supposed to stop at you. It's supposed to get through you to your world, to your workplace, to your family. Not just money, your gifts, your talents. This is the thing. It says they realized that they did not own it. You know, there's a difference between ownership and stewardship. I I don't know if I don't know if you ever you know stayed at a hotel and something's broke. You ever ever had that happen? Like man, something something's not right. It's like you call down the front desk, right? Like you better get that coffee maker fixed. If it gets about 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, I don't have my caffeine, we're gonna have a problem up in here. You know what I mean? It's like, it's emergency, but you're not really stressed about it. You're just mad it's broke. You're just like, come on, let's go. Hotel, get your act together. You ever stayed at Airbnb? Got a little issue, or the picture looked a lot better than the actual place? That may or may not have ever happened to me. It's like, the house was great, but the area was awful. And it's like, oh, this is scary. So you call them up like, hey, you shouldn't have, you should have told me this place was where it's at. Like, I need to know that. This is dangerous. I got kids, bro. You react differently when you're a steward than you are if you're an owner. You ever had, like, um, something break in your house that you own? You know how it is, right? Oh, again. No, not the fridge. That stupid friend, you know, it's like you're adding up how much this one's going to cost and and all this. Listen, what God wants you, the perspective to be free, the perspective that he wants you to have is not as an owner. It's as a steward. So next time the plumbing breaks, hey, God, you you better get a plumber out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, your house is broke. (laughs) This car you gave me, I'm I'm telling you, it's broke. You 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 better help me out. 
That sounds silly to most of us. Because we're like, what, is God supposed to send like an angel mechanic and fix? No, but I'm going to tell you this. Your God is as big or as small as you make him with your faith. And if you're in control, then enjoy. Go fix the pipes under the sink. Like, enjoy it. Now, does that mean I never have to fix anything? Does that mean God's sending? No, I'm saying it's a place of trust. All of a sudden, when something breaks, instead of me getting stressed about how we're going to pay for it, I immediately change to, God, the house you gave me has an issue. I need an answer. The car that I have that you blessed me with, well, it was hard work that I, man, I, get, I, I earned my money. Listen, the breath you, get, you have in your mouth came from God. That's how you're here. That's why you exist. You're a steward over your own life. Your life, the Bible says, is not even your own. People say, man, I, I just want to like a nice church, like a little country club, you know, have a little group, have good people, give me a nice, nice TED talk, let me walk out, leave me alone, don't talk about anything challenging, definitely don't say the T word, tithe. Listen, we're not trying to have a club. We're trying to change a city. We're trying to reach a nation. We're trying to do something that God has put in our heart. We can't relax. We can't lean back because we don't own this life. This life is not mine. I'm a steward of this life. I'm a steward of this message. I'm a steward of this breath. I'm a steward of these gifts. I'm a steward of these. Does this make sense? People ask me all the time. It's like, man, man, you're really energetic up there. Whoa. Whoa, you drink Red Bull before you preach? Wow. No, I'm a steward. I'm a steward. I got to take care of this. This ain't mine. God gave me this. I got to be a good steward. I got to be faithful. That's why I said it'd be easier. I mean, it'd be easier if I just got up here and talked about, like, how much God wants to bless us and, like, just talk about fun, cool stuff and how everyone should treat you right and your life's going to be blessed with Jesus and everything's going to go your way. That'd be easier. But we're, we're not trying to just be comfortable. We're trying to make a difference. So you know what it comes down to? It comes down if you trust God or not. It comes down to if you trust God or not. And I want you to hear what David said. I love this. We read it already, but I love this. He says, never have I seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Ooh, the righteous. But what do the righteous do? They give generously. They always give, always give generously. They lend to others. They're a bank. They're just, they're just giving it to other people. They got so much. Well, man, is this that prosperity gospel? You can call it whatever you want. I, I just call it like trying to interpret the Bible. So people put titles on things. They never even studied it for themselves. They don't even know the doctrine or the theology behind it. God wants you blessed, but it's not so you can tell everybody, I'm blessed and driving your new whatever it is. Although God has no problem with you having nice things. People get crazy. People that don't have nice things will be like, God doesn't want you to have nice things. Just because you don't have it doesn't mean God doesn't want everyone to have it. No, he wants you to be a steward, which means God can trust you, that if he can get it to you, he can get it through you. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to God, whatever you give me. I want to be a faithful steward. Honestly, I'm going to tell you something. This, this, some of you, just don't email me anything, because I don't like that. Um, it's mean, you know? Like, don't do that. Um, I want to give a house away someday. I'm serious. I want to give a house away. 
I will give a house away someday. I'm gonna give cars away someday. For real. Now, I'm gonna catch you, I'm gonna catch you. In order to do it, I have to have it. Right? Well, I don't know if God's gonna bless you with a house, brother. What if I wanna give it away? How am I supposed to give it? I can tell it's hitting some of you the wrong ways. It's all right, smile, it's okay, it's okay. There's no offering after this. This is just for, this is for you. It really is, this is for you. Can God trust you? Well, let me ask you this. Can you trust God? Can you trust Him? I know it's difficult in the world we live in, how smart we are and how intellectual we are and what good stewards and the resources we have. Can you trust Him? Can you trust Him? Can you, you, know, you know, I tell people sometimes, which the, it's not the most, it's not a good thing to say, all right? But I just, sometimes I break rules like that. I tell people like, if you don't believe me, tithe to a different church. Because people say, oh, classic. Tithing, try to, get the, try to get the receipts up. Okay, like, give to First United Methodist down here. I don't care. For real, God's our provider. I want you blessed. This is about you. But that blessing is connected to obedience and that obedience is connected to trust. So what God wants to do in this moment as we respond in just a couple moments is he wants to build, he wants to build your trust so that you can walk out of here and saying, I was young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. That God's my provider. God is my resource. I can trust him. I can trust him with it. I'll give you, I'll give you the... As we close, I'll give you the prescription of the early church revival. Great grace, which means God was saving people like crazy. Paul was a murderer, and God saved him. That great grace resulted in great gratitude. Oh, thank you, God, for your grace. Wow, thank you. That great gratitude resulted in great generosity. That's it, friends. If you're giving out of legalism or you're giving out of religiosity, you're missing the joy of giving. The joy of generosity after obedience is saying, God, you saved me. You became my righteousness, and I'm grateful. That's why I worship like I worship. That's why I shout like I shout, because I'm grateful. And that gratitude, that fuels my generosity. I'm looking for something to give away. I'm looking for someone to bless. I'm looking for someone to give to, because I'm a giver. I'm a river. Whatever God gives me, I want it out of me because I've learned the faster I can get rid of it, the more he'll pour into me and I can bless others. And the only reason he blesses me is so that I can be a blessing. And maybe, just maybe, God wants a revival to hit this city and hit surrounding areas. And it's not going to happen the way you think it is, by a good message or a good song. Maybe it's going to happen by a collection of people that give radically and evangelize powerfully. And we begin to see people that are lost find Jesus Radical conversions, radical salvations, and people are added to the church daily. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.